Welcome to the Spirituality Out Loud podcast, where you'll hear real-life stories of people's unique spiritual journeys in their own words from their own viewpoints. Hosted by Leslie Seidel, relationship expert and spiritual mentor, who specializes in working with people on their relationships, from their romantic life to their work life and just plain life. Here's Leslie. Welcome back to yet another episode of the Spirituality Out Loud podcast. Of course, I am Leslie Seidel, your host. This week, it is my pleasure to have Mary O'Brien. Mary is an energy intuitive channel and author who bridges the seen and unseen. She connects deeply with people to help them move beyond old stories of past pain and restriction into a life of love and connection. She is someone who is quickly becoming a friend with her beautiful heart, quick wit, and such an infectious laughter. I have also had the opportunity of working with her professionally. Um, She worked with me several times with my husband, and I can't begin to tell you how transformational the work she is doing out in the world has been for us. And so if you get an opportunity and feel so called, please check her work out. Her husband's going to be on in a couple weeks, so we can look forward to that. So here is Mary. Hi, Mary. Welcome, welcome, welcome. How are you today? I'm great, thank you. Lovely to be here with you. I am so excited. I'm really, really curious about your path Mm -hmm. and your story. So um, we're going to just jump right in. the beginning is what we start with here. So what uh, religion or spirituality or just what was your experience growing up of that part of you? Well, my name possibly gives a clue. So Mary O'Brien, pretty classic Irish Catholic name. So um, I grew up Catholic here in Australia. And dad was a very traditional Catholic um, brought up in the old church, very devout, uh, very good man, and you know, a good Catholic, but also a very good man. Um, and mum is Church of England. So one of the things that was really interesting growing up was I always had a couple of perspectives to explore when it came to being taught about religion and God and life from the nuns at school. Um, <laughs> and... You know, in those days, in the time when mum and dad married in the 50s, it was a really big thing for a Catholic to marry a non-Catholic, as they called them. And so there was, dad was, um, while he was a traditional Catholic, he wasn't stuffy in that sense because he loved mum and he wasn't prepared to not be with her. So they just did what they needed to do to find a priest who would marry them. And it was in that time, it must have been a really big thing to go against formalized religion and his community in a lot of ways but he did and I think for me there was always a sense of you follow what you know is right for you Mm. rather than necessarily what you've been told you're meant to do what a gift yeah yeah so was your mom um really religious too sounds like they both did they both hold it yeah, mum, not as much. Um, she spends her life praying. She's always praying, which is gorgeous. Uh, and would go to church, um, you know, Christmas and Easter, the main holidays. So growing up as a kid, 
Christmas Day, my sister and I would be, we'd go to mass with dad first thing in the morning and then we'd come home and then we'd go to church, to the Church of England church with mum after that. So Christmas and Easter was, was a very, you know, we, we built up our brownie points on those days going twice. Um, so mum wasn't as much as part of a formalised aspect of it other than those kind of key celebrations. But they're always praying, very much believing in, God and, um, you know, a bigger picture and understanding of who we are and why we're here. So what was your experience? What were your thoughts about this? As a child, I always knew there was something other than just being here in the physical. And um, I remember, you know, even in um, primary school and junior school, sitting with my best friend and we would sit and talk for hours about the meaning of life and why we were here and what was our purpose. You know, that's kind of, I don't know, what we might have been 11, 10, 11 year olds. And so I've always, I was always curious, I always had a sense there was something more that we weren't being told by the nuns at school um, because not for any reason other than it just wasn't part of the conversation, I think, particularly in those days. You know, I'm talking about the, you know, late 60s. Mm-hmm. So in, it, it, unless we were part of the flower power movement and, you know, in, in our life that wasn't it, it wasn't, there wasn't that larger conversation that was occurring. So I always, I always wanted to connect differently and I remember being <laughs> lying in bed of a night as a little kid and I'd pray really 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 hard for the holy family to appear and talk to me it was like I knew they were there I just needed them to come and you know sit on the edge of the bed and have a conversation <laughs> wow <laughs> which you know it now makes perfect sense that of course the energy is all there to make you know have conversations with I just didn't quite know how to do it at that age at least not in the physical part of me, didn't quite know how to do it. But it's interesting that you were calling that in mm. so young. Yeah. That that's what you wanted, a connection, and you wanted a communication, mm. right? Yeah. Um, knowing where you are now, right? It's easy. To, it's interesting that it, it, in that young age, that's because that's was, I wasn't doing that. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, it was very much about I, want, I wanted that relationship mm. that kept in that relationship and it was you know possibly my early remembered experience earliest remembered experience of duality of a knowing and a feeling and a physical experience that didn't seem to match it and I think that created you know confusion in a way it didn't make sense to me why those two things didn't really match which you know as a young kid I think sets you off on a bit of an exploration to understand what's going on there. So um, how did it change over time? Well, I think I did what perhaps a lot of, um, a lot of us do as we grow up. We think we have to grow up. Oh yeah. And so I put all that kind of, you know, the, the, um, the more um, feeling intuitive stuff to one side. And I focused on, you know, getting married and going to university and having a career and, and doing all of those things. And I moved very much into my thinking space mm. so unless I could think it and make sense of it I really didn't um, give it a lot of credence it meant therefore for a long time I didn't really think about energy and I, you know I didn't continue as a practicing Catholic beyond I don't know maybe I was about 16 where I you know stopped going to mass and stopped doing that in a in a formal way and, and started just separating from that path I suppose from that traditional path 
and it wasn't until I was in my early 20s, I think, that um, a friend introduced me to a local centre where they did chanting and meditation and there was a guru from India. And I just loved it. It was like I, it was, there was something about coming back into an area and a conversation which was more than just the physical. Mm. And I couldn't quite make... Uh, I couldn't rationally explain it, so the thinking me couldn't really understand why I was so drawn to it, but it was such a strong um, joy when I would be in that space meditating or chanting or listening to the you know, the spiritual teachings that I just went, well, I, it doesn't make sense, but I love it, so I'm here. Nice. Yeah. So you did what we're supposed to do, right? Create a life, get a job, do all these things. Uh, when did you get married to your husband? Is this your... Did, when did you meet... Uh, uh, well, no, this is my second, my first marriage. Okay. And then when that ended, that was a real, uh, another real catalyst for exploration. I think as it is for, you know, so many, there's a, suddenly a sense of who I thought I was in that relationship, what I thought my life was going to look like, what I thought my future was, suddenly wasn't. <laughs> yeah. and, and so it was a real sense of, well, okay, now what? Yes. Who, who, who am I going to be now? And it was, you know, it's an interesting one, Leslie, because it was, you know, a really painful and difficult time. And yet, all the way through it, I had this contradictory but deep knowing that whatever was coming next was going to be amazing. And again, it was that duality. It was a confusing state of being, you know, heartbroken and yet excited about what was coming next. So... I really then, you know, I, I chose to focus on that what's next energy rather than, you know, lamenting the past and what could have been. And so I just, I started on a path of, of real, you know, personal growth and exploration. That was really when I started, you know, I studied NLP. I did a whole lot of personal development courses to understand and get to know me. And that really opened up a whole other um, awareness of sensitivity about, you know, that it's okay not to, to move out of that thinking self back into a larger, more rounded um, feeling self as well. Yeah, I find, um, you know, in doing this podcast and listening to people's journeys that this is so much the case, right? There's what you born with, what you knew, right? Comp slash what you knew growing up. And then a sense of like, I now need to do X, right? Which is job, career, family, whatever that thing is and then depending on the catalyst right some deep problem right yeah. someone dies you get a divorce something some loss occurs and then you start to seek yeah. right an answer uh at this point you now you're still working in the corporate world and so you've got this career and you don't really think about the two being the same but you're also needing to feed a side of you and so you're doing a lot of self-help and you're doing a lot of seeking and you're doing some chanting. And did, did he become, I don't know who the guru was, did that guru become someone you followed in particular or was it just that arena? Uh, no, it was that particular, it was a female guru, Siddha Yoga, which mm. people may be familiar with. And, um, and so I was very involved with that for quite a few years. I would, um, you know, go once or twice a week to the evening satsangs, to the meditations and the chanting. And um, I went to India and spent a little bit of time. And this was actually before the divorce. So my first husband and I were, were both involved in this. Oh. 
which was really great. And we, you know, we went to India and spent some time there. And in fact, that we, it was when we were in India that we got engaged, um, which was a, which was really a beautiful experience. So it was, yeah, it was something that I really followed because the it it allowed a it, it's almost that it gave me permission to explore a non-traditional path. I think so. Even in the work. I was working in the community centre, in the community sector, working with long-term unemployed people and managing um, a business side of an organisation. But I would have, you know, my little picture of the guru there in my office, and I would sometimes play the chants while I was working at my desk. And people were initially a little bit kind of like, oh, you know, because I looked never, I never wore the hippie, you know, ashrami kind of clothes. I always looked really normal. Um, but there was this other side. But it was lovely because people just, because they accepted me. They were said, well, that's, you know, that's okay. It was, it was fine. So it was really starting that blending of the, um, the, the normal and the alternative into, into my day-to-day -day life rather than compartmentalising them as, as um, can so often happen. Well, yeah, and for me, one of the things I really love about your work and, and your husband and is just like the humanity in it, right? The like, the just like, yeah, you know, there's, there's a, a, an ability to touch you, mm. right? There's no other. Yeah. It, you guys aren't other. Yeah. And, yeah. and it, it's just what a beautiful gift it is. Because I always did that, but I did it in secret. I was, I wanted to look good. Like yeah. I wanted, I knew that this was important yeah. look. Yeah. And so um, I would do all of these things in the background, but not say anything because I didn't want the corporate people to have a feeling about it. But what you did though, is by them loving you or accepting you, they got a little taste of something that they wouldn't have had you shave the head or worn the yes. outfit. Yes. Yes. Which is a wonderful thing. Yeah. I think it's, thank you. And I think it, it's, I think there's a real, um, that idea that because we follow a spiritual path or we're alternative or we're new age, whatever the label is, that we have to dress and look differently is just another form of duality. Yeah. Because what it creates is an, uh, an us and a them and there's a judgment, well, they look really straight and they're wearing, you know, corporate clothes. Clearly they're not spiritual. You know, spirituality isn't actually about wearing cheesecloth and tie-dye shirts or doing yoga even. You know, this, for me, it's much more about that larger connection to who we are and seeing that in everybody else and as much as we can in our day-to-day -day humanness to feel that and, and interact with people as that. Because what that opens up is the possibility for them, even if that's not where they're at in life, to get a slight sense of, hmm, that was a different interaction. That was a different possibility in a conversation. Whereas if I turn up in tie-dye clothes and looking like a hippie and whatever, then people who aren't in that space are going to go, yeah. Well, and I, I just really appreciate the idea of stepping into trying to see past our costumes. Yeah. I had a, a lot of, I, I spent a very long time having a lot of judgment about rich white men <laughs> and lots of judgment. I ended up living in a place called Montecito, which you, it's in Santa Barbara. It's extremely wealthy. It, it's really amazing, but it's really wealthy. Mm. Oprah has a house there, Ellen, DJ, like just whatever. And, um, and so I would go to coffee and there would be these guys, these guys that would go to coffee and they were just the epitome of these rich white males. 
And I would go every day and I would have judgment about it, but I would be sitting reading my book. And at one point we ended up having these wonderful exchanges. And I remember this guy saying that he had this men's group where they sit and they really talk to each other about how to stay married and how to have be the best dad they could be. And I was like, but you're a Republican. How can you? you know what I mean? And, and, and just like, it doesn't matter. Right. And, and, and how do I, and still today, how do I, lower my expectations of whatever costume you're wearing and see who you are. Yes. And I just, I thank you for the reminder. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful, isn't it? It's that, it's that knowing that regardless of people's belief systems or their job or their socioeconomic status, all of those things within all of those, there are people who have that heart space of goodness and connection and love. And the more we can all see that and feel that and connect at that, then those other differences which are divisive cease to be divisive. Yeah. We move to a space of sameness and connectedness rather than difference and separation and judgment. Okay, so now you're seeking. Yeah. You're running around and seeking. Um, you're taking a bunch of different classes. I don't, I'd love to know how you get from NLP to, to spending a life married and channeling and being an intuitive energy healer. Like that's a, that's a little bit of a leap. Cause I know, I know that I've read the final page, right? So I know where we're heading, but I'm, I'm curious kind of how this, what happens next, right? Well, around the same time as part of that, you know, searching, I did Reiki. Oh yeah level one and two and uh, really enjoyed it but was very still much in that thinking space and so I remember in the class saying to the teacher when we were um, doing the Reiki two you know for the distant healing and the exercise was to um, to see an apple and I asked the question I said so I don't know if I'm actually seeing an apple or if I'm making up seeing an apple like I couldn't my thinking just kept getting in the way of it all so what was interesting though was I, because of that, I started to think, well, I'm not, I'm, I'm clearly not um, an energy kind of person. I discounted that. I had this whole story and identity that, you know, I'm the logical, rational one and, uh, and I just don't feel energy. And I, you know, I love this and I love spirituality and I love the, I love connecting, but I don't actually experience it because I had a whole story about what it was meant to look like when you do. And what you're meant to, you know, you're meant to get the amazing bells and whistles and the, you know, the seeing colours and things. I get really none of day that. Day one. <laughs> yeah, day one. I get none of that. Even when I used to go to the ashram with my first husband and we'd do the meditation and he would have these amazing experiences. He'd be floating off into the, into the universe and there'd be colours appearing and, and I'd be... Well, I felt it was relaxing, but that was kind of the extent of it. So I thought all along that I was this, you know, spiritual failure. Mm. Clearly, clearly not very good at it. But, you know, I don't, it's interesting to ask that question, Leslie, because I don't even know in a way how it changed other than I just kept following the breadcrumbs, I suppose, of what interested me next. Where was my energy drawn? And so I would just keep exploring things that um, that I that I was curious about. Really, it was what what opened something new for me. So eventually, I ended up um, teaching a modality called Psych K, 
which comes out of the US psychological kinesiology. So hold on one second. What I really want to say though, is that I, I love the fact that you, it, what I heard you say is that you stopped trying to get somewhere and yeah. you started just saying that the next step is what I should do, yeah. right? That's interesting. That's where I should go now. Yes. Right. And it's so hard as, as a human being for me to constantly come back to that. Yeah. Right. Because I want to go, I want to, there, I see a thing. I want that. And, and I could, you know, head West, right. Head in a direction, but the real work is doing what you just said, Mm. which is relaxing at the moment. Even when you feel a failure, relaxing into, well, okay, I'm a failure, but I still find this really fascinating. I'm going to go do that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it's interesting because, you know, while my thinking self would have looked at that time and said, I'm not connecting, I'm not getting anything energetically. In fact, I was so connected all along, but it just didn't fit my expectations. So I, every job that I left, I would leave. <laughs> I remember this, so there's one that I remember. I, I studied politics and history at um, university. I did an honours degree in that. And then somehow I ended up in the IT industry, kind of a very weird synchronistic story and I was installing computers and troubleshooting networks and being on the help desk. This was back in the 80s when you know computers were really pretty wild and wacky and new. And the company that I was working with were, um, it turned out not very ethical and they'd made promises to me about coming on and being, you know, certain things I can do and then they didn't. And when I approached them, they were going, they had all these reasons why not, you know, it was really, um, poor business practice, poor ethics. So I remember deciding that they weren't a match for me, so I was going to leave. But the way that I had to make the decision in those days was I did the whole list of why. You know, what what they were doing, what they know, why I didn't fit. I had the whole, my, my left brain logical self was very happy about all of that. I did all the figures, how long could I last without more work, and you know, what were my savings, the whole thing. But really, I'd already made the decision because in my heart, I knew it wasn't a match for me, so I had to leave. Mm-hmm. So I was always really just using the thinking to justify my knowing. And so that's why when I would keep doing things, it was just I'd, I'd find a rational, oh, this is interesting, this could be useful for, you know, whatever I'm doing. But really it was my energy and my knowing that kept moving me forward. And so the site K was a perfect example of that, where I'd read Bruce Lipton's book, The Biology of Belief, which, you know, I'm sure you know, lots of people do fascinating work that Bruce Lipton does. And at the end of it, he says, and if you want to change your beliefs to change your biology, there's a great set of tools called site K. So online, Googling. Next thing, what do I find? But the originator of site K, Rob Williams, is coming to Australia for the first time I think it was somehow five weeks or two months or something later. So did the course, absolutely loved it. It was a wonderful blend between the thinking and the, and the energetic. So it was, it was for where I was at that time, it was perfect. Um, and so then I became an instructor and started teaching that. And that was really, I think, a, um, a powerful time for me because it really allowed my, because you use muscle testing, it allowed me to... Um, validate and verify what I was getting intuitively so I moved it allowed me to trust and to accept my knowing yeah 
which was really, you know, such a powerful piece. So that was really, you know, I suppose in, in Site K, I moved much more into energy more overtly in the workshops because there was talk about, you know, the higher self and, and, and that was part of the conversation. Mm -hmm. And it was around that time that uh, I, again, another, you know, following my energy rather than my thinking, there was a local marketing uh, business um, evening put on by the local council for small businesses. And so I read it and I thought, oh, well, this could be interesting. And I went along and I said to Gary, my husband, I said, do you want to come as well? And he said, oh, no. And there were two talks. He said, oh, I might come along to the second one. I'll see how I go. So I went along and it was interesting. He came to the second part. At the end of it, the young couple who were running it, we ended up in a corner of the room talking to them about their work, but really talking about universal intelligence. How do you connect in to this energy and information that's up here, not just the energy and information on the physical plane. The rest of the room was talking about return on investment and how to strategize your marketing. And we're in this, you know, invisible little bubble having this completely weird and wacky conversation. So it was an immediate connection and they were using Reiki that they had um, been taught in a modified version to connect in and do channeled writing. So they showed us that process and for me, it was, it just opened up everything. It was a, it was a game changer because I would go through the process using the Reiki symbols. I'd connect into my own larger knowing and I would sit and start channeling and getting masses of information, pages and pages of channeled wisdom was coming through. And I think from at that point it was me, but there was also I was channeling something larger because the level of information about dimensionality and stuff that I had no, no understanding about, had never read about, um, was quite extraordinary. Gary had done the, had learned at the same time and he wasn't getting anything. So he would sit there, he'd go through the process and then he'd, you know, wait. And when something started to come through, as he opened his eyes to write, it was as though he'd just lose the connection. He couldn't stay in that connected space and write. So I said, well, let's just sit down and you go through it. And instead of writing it, you just, whatever you get, you talk it and I'll scribe. And my thought was he'd get into the swing of it and then I'd give him his book and he'd continue and then I would just go back to my merry way. And that was the first time that the channeled energy called Zah that we now work with came through and spoke to us. Wow. So it wasn't planned. It wasn't, um, it wasn't part of a step-by-step you know, -step thing. It, was, it just evolved. But, I mean, it kind of was, like you were trying to channel. Yeah, but I only thought I was channeling me, my own guidance. Oh, interesting. I had no expectation. And in fact, I was, I was always a little bit um, cyn well, cynical or sceptical about channeling. Oh, brain, yeah. Yeah. You know, I just wasn't, I'd look at it a bit and I'd go, oh, I don't know, are they just making that up? You know, and the only thing that I had connected with was I'd started reading Cryon's books, channeled by Lee Carroll, which people will be familiar with. And I was really loving that crying information. And it, prior to us first connecting with Zara, I had an experience over a number of weeks where I would go to bed and I'd sleep and I'd wake up at three or four in the morning wide awake. And I'd try to get back to sleep and I couldn't. And I kept hearing cry on Lee Carroll's voice, channeling crying, saying, um, welcome, we are crying of magnetic service. And they kept talking to me and I'd be going, no, I want to sleep, leave me alone. But it kept repeating. And I know when I'm channeling that if something keeps repeating, that's, it's not me thinking it. And so I would get up and I would read some of the um, channeled or I'd 
read something off the Cryon website. I'd get whatever it was that I needed to get. I never had any real um, awareness of what the significance of the pieces were. And then I'd go back to bed and I'd sleep. And that happened regularly over a period of weeks. So I was already opening up to communicating with energy, but I didn't expect that um, I would actually be channeling myself in that way or, or being part of um, a channeled message that, you know, being shared all around the world. It was you know, not part of my five-year plan at all. <laughs> yeah, so, so you're having a job, you have a normal job. What did Gary do? Well, he'd um, uh, done Site K as well. So after I'd done it, um, and he then became an instructor as well. We went over to the States and, uh, and he did his instructor training. So we were both delivering the Site K workshops in Australia and New Zealand. And at the same time, I was still doing my corporate consulting, which I had been doing for about 20 years. So I'd been, I was going into organisations, coaching individuals, um, running team building, doing leadership training and bringing in little you know, nuggets of this larger reality that I was becoming more and more aware of, but finding it very frustrating that I, in some ways I had to separate the two. I had to become a different Mary walking into that space that didn't feel authentic, um, ultimately. So you had the first channeling of Czar. Did, I mean, was it, was it that he came out and he was like, hey, it's Czar? How was that for the two of you? It was wild. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, Gary had no, so the first conversation was about an hour. Mm -hmm. I'm frantically writing, getting writers cramp, everything that they're saying. I'm saying, who are you? What are you here? Why are you talking to us? What's, you know, what's going on here? I wasn't um, at all concerned because I could feel the compassion and the energy. Mm -hmm. So it, it, I knew there was nothing to be afraid of, even though suddenly Gary had disappeared and there was something else or someone else, I didn't really know. Um, but there was no anxiety in my space at all because I could feel that it was safe. And so in that conversation, I, I asked, I said, so, you know, who are you? What do I call you? You know, being polite, you know, you have to give someone a name. Um, and they said, our name is Zar. And I thought the spelling of the Russian Tsar, you know, T-S-A-R. Mm. I better check that. So I said, how do you spell it? And they said, D-Z, Z, American, but they said D-Z-A-R. So after that conversation, when I then started searching, because I thought, oh, maybe they're already being channeled by people, or there's more information I can find out. There was nothing about them. And I eventually found that Tsar is an ancient Hebrew or ancient Aramaic word for helper. Mm. So that first conversation was, it was very moving. And because there was, for me, a real knowing of reconnecting to something that I had been connected to and known forever, really, just not consciously in this lifetime. And so it was a very moving reunion. Yeah. It was beautiful. Yeah, I got to say, you know, you have, you and uh, Gary have channeled for me and my husband, my husband and I, and, and for those of, you know, and, you know, I have a very strong left brain <laughs> and yet I'm really open to these things. Right. And, um, at the end of the day, what I can say about it is people can believe it or not believe it, whatever. Right. My, it, it absolutely altered me and in a knowing and internal way that is hard to put words to 
And so I can get really heady and take the words, what exactly what was said and like, what did they say? And how was this thing? And what did Gary do versus what did she do? And you know what I mean? Like I can get really analytical about it, which is fine, right? If you want to do that. Um, But at the end of the day, within an hour, I shifted from a place of fear, doubt, insecurity, and unknowing to surrender and beauty and feeling connected to source ultimately right and so i can imagine so this is my promo for for czar <laughs> and for marrying gary which is like i have sent so many people to you everyone i, I was like just shut up and go just it yeah. doesn't even matter you don't have to understand it you don't have to think about it just go have a session and then we'll talk and that's it you know because you know i think what, what you're describing Liz, and it's so and thank you for sharing that because it's beautiful for us to hear and feel what is possible because what happens in a conversation with Zah is that it's all about the frequency and the energies. You're saying, yes, there are words that are said and yes, there's understandings and insights, but the power comes from shifting into a different place of connectedness to the larger energy that we are. And we amplify our knowing of that because for me, it's my IT background. It's like we plug back into the mainframe. We re re-download the clean version of the software without all the bugs and the viruses that have got in over you know eons and lifetimes and we start to be able to operate as that we feel that as a knowing and that then permeates into how we interact how we see things but it's a powerful shift just that energetic change yeah, I have a um, a woman who I've worked with for a really long time, probably about seven or eight years, and I talked to her, and she said, "What, what's, what happened?" And I was like, "What?" And she was like, "Something has changed. I don't know what to say." And I mean, the words and the you know the lastly right hasn't changed. I'm still me. I'm still a little snarky, right? Um, but something was changed. And, and for me, better, right? Better, worse. These words, these words, the, the, our language is so hard to describe. But it is a, 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 I feel more faithful. I feel more connected. I feel cleaner. Like those are all words, right? That I feel, but it's, it's more at ease. Yes. And more flowing and trusting and knowing in a way that, that isn't about words, right? Like, no. so I can imagine. You know, because if you if you if anyone else were to say, and I haven't experienced this, and if anyone else said, "Oh yeah, I was sitting next to my husband, and he started channeling this voice, and I was just writing it down, and I wasn't afraid," I would think that person's crazy because I would freak out, right? Yeah. Yes. And what I what I gotta say is, if you're having this experience and you're listening, go have a session with Zar. You know, check it out, see what it feels like to you if you're so called. Because again, this is just. And I, I got to say that a lot of the channelers, when it's really interesting, is that they all say similar information. Yes. Which Absolutely. is, yeah, and I, I know you. I don't think you're taking the time to go study a bunch of other people and figure it out, right? <laughs> you're not willing. Just in my spare time. <laughs> yeah, who's got that kind of time? But it makes sense, doesn't it? Because when, it's, um, when it really is true wisdom from source it's from the same source but it comes through in different 
um, using different language, different personality, different focus, because we're all different and we will resonate and be drawn to different information differently. And so someone um, years ago said to Zara, so Zara, you know, do you know Cryon? This was a woman who'd read a lot of Cryon and been into a lot of the Cryon's teachings. And uh, so she said, Zara, do you know Cryon? And Zara said, oh, well, um, yes, yes, young one. Yes, we do. Well, you know, it was kind of a funny question to ask energy, do you know another energy? And they said, uh, they said it's like this. It's as though we, 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 we both work in the same organisation and we catch up around the water cooler for conversations uh, and cryon works more in the technical area and we're more in human resources and personnel but we're all working to the same end goal and it was such a perfect example because for people who know cryon's work cryon is very um, much focused on science and the science of dna and very you know it is it's a scientific um entry point to channeled wisdom whereas zara is all about the heart space it's all about this returning to that beauty and the light and the heart and the compassion that is who we all are, that flow, that ease, that softness that you've been talking about and feeling, Leslie, and just allowing us to come back to that. So much more, you know, human resource related part of the business. And someone said to Zara recently, so when they were sharing that story, they said, so that I guess therefore Abraham must work in um, finance and accounting. <laughs> Well, you know, yes, young one, we all, you know, but it's because it all, it's all the same end game. And the end game is for us to remember who we truly are beyond the physical stories, the experiences, the senses of self, the physical ailments, the restrictions we think we have. All of that is one aspect of us. And regardless of that, there's this other knowing within us of our true essence, our enlightenment that is the same with all of us. We all share this same light. So however we get to remember and feel and, and grow and amplify that, it's fabulous. You know, there's more than enough um, information for people to tap into whatever really resonates for them. Yeah, I, I really appreciate that because my experience of the czar is a little snarky as well, which is really right up my alley. Right? It's just, it, it really, it works for me. They can, be, they can be cheeky. Oh, yeah. There you go. Cheeky is a good word for it. You know, in the world, according to me, right? In my fantasy in, the, in life. So now you have this super secret connected to the thing that is source. And therefore, all your problems are gone. You are floating through the world, totally connected. And just everything is lit up. Right? I mean, that's my, that's, yeah. that's yeah. So what is what is tell me your experience well you know <laughs> and how it is over time right you've been doing this for a while yeah you yeah it's 10 years this year so you were channeling me then because i had exactly the same question of zar in one of our so after that first conversation it was like oh my god this is amazing like you know i had a new bestie i just wanted to keep talking to zar Gary, it wasn't quite the same. He was kind of, this is weird. He loses awareness of that time. Mm. So I would say to him, let's, let's sit down and have another conversation with Zara and go, oh, no, no, I think I better mow the lawn. Or, oh, no, no, I've got to, you know, there was always something to, just, to, get, to get out of it. Not anymore. But in those early days, it was a really big adjustment. Mm. So one of the conversations with Zara, I said, so Zara, now that we have this, you know, kind of connection with you, um, 
and you know you want us to be working and sharing your message and and being part of this this process i said does that mean that nothing's ever going to go wrong and they went oh young one oh young one <laughs> they said you're human you're still in the space of becoming all that you will be you're still growing that knowing of you but you live in the reality where things work things don't work things are smooth things are a bit rough so there will still be some ups and downs but they said what will be different is if things aren't working or you have a down you'll come out of it much faster and the dips won't be as deep mm. and the times when you feel that connection and you're in flow and everything's just working they'll last longer that will become the norm rather than the exception and i have to say in the 10 years that's exactly what's happened you know we still have our ups and downs i still have days where i wake up and i feel narky and snarky and i'm you know and i think i'm anything but connected but it doesn't take me long to stop and take a few deep breaths and remember who i am beyond that experience and to feel that and to settle back into a larger acceptance of me And so when things go wrong there's a sense of okay that hasn't worked hmm the way I thought I wanted it to so now what what's the awareness from it how do I move and expand beyond it and move forward so until we we'll keep having ups and downs for all of us regardless of the path that we're on until we're no longer here when we get to that point where that never happens anymore then we will no longer be here in the physical we will have we will have completed our mission if you like and our mission is to live as our soul being reflected and expressed and experienced in every moment as much as we possibly can to be in that remembering of that aspect of us as we stand in the supermarket queue as we sit at our desk as we navigate the traffic and once we do that and we're always in this expanded state of this bliss and knowing then we won't continue to be here our energy will have moved to another dimension and we will be doing that expansive work contributing to the expansion of compassion in humanity and through the universe by remembering who we are we'll just be doing that in a different way the energy of us will just continue on the interesting thing is i i i i have to say that i I've interviewed people of different modalities and different faith and different and I got to say that's the description. That's the description for my Christian friends and that's the description for my Jewish friends of of life happens and then I remember and life yes. happens and then I remember. Yeah, and so all of the work that we do, all that we share with Zar is that ways for us to stay in that remembering more often than not. so we forget we become less forgetful <laughs> of who we truly are we stay in that remembering and that knowing of who we are more and more and more and that makes life easier it makes our relationships different it see it allows us to it changes the story for us and so it changes the stories we have for everyone around us and for the world that's that's the ripple effect of the change that we create by remembering who we are more which feels complete to me I'm wondering as it feel complete to you Mary. Well, it does. It's been lovely exploring and chatting with you Leslie. Thank you. It's fun to fun to kind of sit and reflect because we don't always get a chance to do that in the busyness of well, being who we are, to just kind of take that time to look back and go, "Oh yeah, that's that was the journey. That was that was the, you know, that were they were the paths." And it's just so lovely to me to hear the synchronicities that, you know, again, it doesn't matter what your faith is, it doesn't matter what your what you call it. It's still a these series of synchronicities that get you to this place that you are today 
And, and that, and that allows me to have a little more freedom in my day as mm -hmm. I move forward. Right. If it were true yesterday, it will probably be true tomorrow. So how do I move forward following the yellow brick road, right? The light <laughs> lit up road instead yeah. of worrying so much about my destination. Yes, exactly right. And there's, you know, in that when it reminds me that the way for me now that I, I live more and more and pretty consistently now is that when I'm looking to what's next, I, whereas before I was always being led by my energy, I just didn't know it. I now make that the deliberate choice to say, what's the feeling of this? How do I, res how, what's the energy? Do, am I being drawn to this or not? And then I let my thinking say, okay, well, what other information do I have around it that will um, enrich that original knowing? So being, allowing us, the more we grow that energy, the more we can communicate. And we do have, just as a plug, we've got a lovely course that we offer online called the Soul Communication Course, which is really simple processes just to keep honing that conversation with ourselves. Yeah. Because the more that that becomes our initial conversation and then our thinking conversation comes in and adds to it, the clearer the path is for us. Yes. The easier it is, the easier, the, the less mistakes we make. Or if we make a mistake, we can easily navigate back. Well, and, I, and um, all of that, ways to find uh, Czar and, uh, and Mary and Gary uh, are going to be in the liner notes, but they're also um, at the path to Czar, DZ, the path of Dar, DZAR.com. Yeah, I, I, I also really appreciate the fact that there's no so much of today's world is all about the brain and the physical part of our lives. And then it's easy to like swing back into, no, 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 it's all energy and spirit. Right. And then, and that's not true either. And it's the combination. It's, and so you just said it, it's about knowing it's about following your heart. How does that feel? And, and what do you think? And the logic, right? We get out of whack when we go too far either way. Like we said, like that's, that was the woo-woo world, which I have a big resistance to. It's like, you're not grounded. Yes. How do I pay the bills, lady? Like, <laughs> exactly right. yeah. it's both. Yeah. It's that, you know, the, it's the, 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 there's a lovely um, model that we use where the way that we describe it is it's like there's a bridge. And on one side of the bridge is our physical, our thinking, our, you know, the, the human physical self. And on the other side of the bridge is our energetic, our essence, our soul, whatever the language is, but that larger self. For a lot of spiritual people, when they say, people that start on a spiritual path, they think it's all about this energetic side of the bridge and they try to detonate and destroy the physical, the practical part. Those that think spirituality is just, you know, delusion, they want to detonate and blow up the energetic side of the bridge and just focus on the physical. What we do in all of our work is we say the journey is you stand at the top in the center of the bridge and you bring both of those together into harmony and balance and collaboration. And our journey in the physical is we move from one side to the other of the bridge and that's okay. That's us learning how to live as this enlightened self. So we just recognize, okay, if I'm caught up in the physical, that's all right. The energetic me is still there. The other side of the bridge hasn't gone anywhere. I just use the awareness and acceptance and compassion of my love to self to say, all right, I'm going to allow myself to come back more to the center for however long that may be. 
may just be for a minute and then I get caught up in a drama again. But the more we do that as a practice moment by moment, we start to live as this collaboration of human and physical. Yeah. And soul. That's the joyful path. That's where the ease and the grace of being human in a world knowing that there's more becomes possible for us. It's so beautiful. Thank you so much. So if, uh, if you're driving, please don't, don't take any notes. If you're listening to the car, uh, but go to coachlesley.com forward slash podcast, all of the information about Mary and her work and is there. Um, and I can't encourage you more if you're called, right? Go inside, see if this work calls you, listen to your logical brain and see what happens next. Thank you so much for your time and space. I really appreciate you. You are, I just, I, yeah, I have such a little crush on you. <laughs> well, we're just, we're just really hanging out for us to be able to come over to, uh, <laughs> too, so it's, it's mutual. Oh, it's <laughs> happening soon, man. You're coming to the West Coast. Well, you know, that's, a, that's a knowing, isn't it? From one of that, those first conversations we had, there was just a knowing that we would collaborate somehow. Don't know how, don't need to know how. We're just following those energetic breadcrumbs until the how is there. Perfect. Gorgeous. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe so you never miss an episode of Spirituality Out Loud. Be sure to rate us, review us, and like us on Facebook and share us with your friends.